0: All right, let's do this. Back in L.A. now, the Dual Threat Podcast. Thank you for subscribing, downloading, rate, review, and a special thank you to everyone at the live podcast show, the crossover event, with myself, Kevin Clark, Robert Mays, from the NFL show, The Ringer Pod, the NFL show. Kyle, do I have that right? You got it right. It's Ringer NFL show. There you go. Ringer NFL show. Because I thought of a bunch of different names after we named this one Dual Threat. And I knew that one was taken, so I wasn't allowed to do that. So we're going to have Bruce Feldman on from Fox, also The Athletic. Check out some of the athletic stuff, by the way. Good stuff there. And I could probably do 30 minutes on Draymond Green and Durant, but that's not what this podcast is called. It's just not. So um, this is what I want to do. I'm going to do a little bit on Le'Veon Bell because I, I find this story fascinating in that It feels like so many of us didn't actually know what was in the CBA. I can handle the NBA one, guys. I can't be held accountable for knowing the NFL CBA, okay? I need the rest of you NFL reporters out there to figure that stuff out for me. So we're going to get all of that down. There was really not much change in the college football playoff rankings. That's why we delayed the release of this and because I was flying back from Vegas yesterday. And I think we may do just a fun little women of the night deal, Vegas style. We'll keep that one away from the reads, perhaps. <laughs> okay. Uh, so like 10 minutes in between. <laughs> yeah, not my own personal experience, just as an observationalist, I guess. I, yeah. Like All right. So that's what we're going to do. But first, what's up with that Yahoo Sports app? I'll tell you. What's Thanksgiving without football? It's like the moon without stars, macaroni without cheese, shoes without socks. With the Yahoo Fantasy Sports mobile app, you can catch all the great Thanksgiving NFL matchups, as well as other local and primetime NFL games, live on your phone, all season long. Never miss big NFL matchups or your favorite team in action. It's NFL football, football and more football at the tap of an app. So download the Yahoo Sports mobile app and make sure your Thanksgiving is full of football also want to thank my guys they came in big again hotel tonight let's talk about hotel tonight by showing you top rated hotels with unsold rooms hotel tonight makes it easy to book your stay at an amazing rate and even though their name's hotel tonight you can book in advance perfect for spontaneous weekend getaways three-day weekends staycations road trips business trips maybe you're super weird you just need a hotel Booking a place with a pool and more. It's super easy. So to start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels, go to hoteltonight.com or, as I've suggested numerous times, just put the app on your phone. Do this. The, The guy listening, the woman listening right now saying, I don't want to do that. Put the app on your phone. And the next time you're looking for a hotel, just open up the app. Just that's all you have to do. You don't have to pay for anything. And then go, wait a minute. This is better than some of those other websites. Because I'm telling you, there are going to be times their prices are better, all right? Not just because they're sponsoring this, because I've used the app for years. Okay, on Le'Veon Bell, this thing is really interesting, and it's actually borderline crazy and very unprecedented how this thing all came together, okay? So at the beginning of it all, Le'Veon, and we'd known for a while, like, this was going to happen. He doesn't show up, even though a lot of people thought he was going to show up, and I think the biggest reason why his teammates were so upset and his offensive line called him out in a way that I just you don't really see pro athletes call each other out like that and we found out later it's because Le'Veon Bill told him he was coming to to play okay so yeah see there's nephew Kyle going oh I get it now I get it so that was some of that angst I am uh, not a Le'Veon guy I'm not a running back guy I would have taken Quentin Nelson over Saquon Barkley. I wouldn't have paid Todd Gurley this money. And everybody that goes, what are you kidding? Todd Gurley's awesome. He just had to touch. It's not an argument about whether or not Todd Gurley's awesome or not, because he's awesome and I love him. And he's a great dude and he gets it. He's the kind of guy you want to pay, but the Rams paid him before they had to. And that can't be really disputed. And I don't, I don't understand paying a running back that much money because there's so much evidence. James Conner alone is evidence that you don't have to pay Le'Veon Bell $14.5 million for the franchise tag or the supposed. I mean, some of the numbers for Bell were absurd over the years when he wanted to be paid as much as a running back and a receiver. And some of these numbers are being floated out at like 20 something million. And you go, okay. And then it was like, no, it's the guarantees. And I have all this stuff written down, okay? But here is what is the most important thing to understand. Because I was talking to a league source about this the last couple days. And it wasn't like, hey, what's LeVeon going to do? It was all of a sudden the information that the information didn't change. It just became more clear. So most of us, right, that care about the league, care about this kind of stuff. Um we sit there and we go, uh All right, so you know, he needs to come back. He needs to play those six games for this year to count, so therefore he can be a free agent, right? That's what all of us were going on. That's what all of us thought. Okay, he's gonna sign the you know, he's he's going to be franchise tagged when he comes back. He'll make the pro rated version of the six games that he comes back so that he accrues a season. And then, like a week ago, you hear, oh, actually, he doesn't have to do that. Like, wait a minute, what? This whole, these last two months have been a lie. And like I said, I'll take care of the NBA stuff and maybe I'll get some of that stuff wrong from from time to time because it's really complicated to go through and read this. But because the Le'Veon Bell thing is so unprecedented and, and I was reading a Dan Graziano piece that said, you know, maybe we'll look back and judge Bell differently in years and I'm going to get to that in a little bit. But I think it was uh, Big Cat Williams and then, oh, damn it. It's another, another big dude. that kind of like sat out but they were sitting out for salaries of like a million, okay? So in the new CBA apparently, as all of us have, well, look, it's, I'm not going to take the L on this one, but some of you guys should have known this. All of a sudden, it's leaked out that Le'Veon Bell doesn't have to come back and play in those six games for this season account. So here's the working theory that I have now from a league source who understands this stuff better than you and I. What if... And we don't have this confirmed or anything, but what if the Steelers didn't want Le'Veon Bell back? Right? What if they go, Connor's been great, the team is winning since our tie with the Browns, and this whole thing was weird, and we'll just ride this thing out, and then we'll get the franchise, uh, excuse me, I think it'd be the transition tag on Bell, so that way we get the compensatory draft pick later on, and he can go sign with somebody else. What if they, like, they were like, we actually don't want him back, but they didn't want to say that because some in the locker room who may not have turned on Bell or supportive could have been annoyed by that. And maybe the fan base is going, wait a minute, we like, we don't want one of the best running backs, maybe the best running back in the NFL back. Because that's the whole thing. Even though I'm not a huge living on Bell guy, he's amazing. He's awesome. Okay. So I'm not, don't, like, this is more about the personality, the timeline, the track record and the contract demand. That's, that's my thing. I'm anti running back more than I am anti a dude. So Bell's like, wait, I don't have to come back? Well, I didn't want to go there anyway. I've been in camp in two years. I played last year, and I threatened to retire right before a playoff game against the Jags that, oh, by the way, we lost. So I'm not super into this whole team thing anyway. Like, yeah, I could come back and scrounge up some of the money. But then if the Steelers were to inform either Bell's agent or the media, and I know that Maurice Jones-Drew had mentioned this on a podcast too, that in the new rule that nobody seemed to know was that he doesn't have to come back to get the year to count. And there's also this uncertainty that I wasn't even able, able to confirm because some people have written about it, but I don't know that anybody has this hundred percent yet is that would this year count as a year towards the franchise tag, meaning it would be a third franchise tag, which would then mean the Steelers would have to pay him quarterback money north of 20 million for one year. Because if that were true, the Steelers wouldn't want to do it. And then they would also want to inform Bell and his reps. Hey, by the way, you know, next year, To tag you at 20 plus, we're definitely not doing that. So they get one little piece of asset back for what's been a huge annoyance to him the entire time. Now, I've read some other people say, and I like Jim Trotter a lot, but his headline was kind of, hey, it's his life. Let him do his thing. He's a man. Come on, man. What are we all doing here? Like, all we're doing is judging people. Like, my last 15 years is having an opinion judging other men and sometimes women. Very rarely, though. Doesn't go over as well now in 2018. <laughs> um, there was another writer, Jason Reed, who made it about race. Said it was, I think, the sharecropper mentality that we just we have a hard time with guys making a lot of money. Uh, I would have thought that was his worst tweet, except he had said before the draft, he'd wonder how high a draft pick would go if he were black. There were footage of him running away from cops like Baker Mayfield. And... Almost everybody immediately was like, are you seriously going there? Like, Jameis Winston went one. So, I'm getting sidetracked right now, so I'm going to get myself back on track. Le'Veon Bell's history is this. What? He's this guy who came out of Michigan State who, again, a body transformation, a running transformation guy who's incredible, Uh and he immediately, he's terrific, okay? We know how good he's, like, he's even better than we thought. Now, let me let me put it that way, okay? He gets suspended for the DUI. Um, then he gets suspended again for missing a drug test. And then he started saying all sorts of stuff. And he had some rap, some rap songs that he was releasing that he was saying it's going to be 15 mil and the price is going up and all that stuff. And you know what, like... I could see how a team would go, maybe we don't want to give this guy a ton of money. And then it's been debated that he actually wasn't offered the $30 million guaranteed that he was looking for because it was over two years. Well, the way that works, and I did some digging on that too, is that that's you could say technically he wasn't offered that. But I went back and looked at some of these deals. Um, some of the deals that he, were, he was offered, it was the three years, 45, but the second part wasn't guaranteed until the first day of the second year which means you're going to get that money, okay? That means you're going to get that money because anybody giving you that kind of signing bonus or that kind of money guaranteed in that first year, they're not going to just cut you after the year uh, unless you did something incredibly stupid. And, And even Bell, like the team stuck by him because he's a terrific talent. So when I read, oh, he was only offered 10, like what I've noticed in this Bell thing, like everything else, is that if you're arguing he's only offered like 10 or 12 million guaranteed from the Steelers, and technically it wasn't really the 30 million guaranteed... Um, you're you're arguing the side of Le'Veon Bell. Like you're pushing for that part of the Le'Veon Bell, even though letter of the law, you're kind of right. But realistically, a lot of these deals, that's the second year money that kicks in on day one of the new NFL year, though all those guys are always going to get that money. They just, they just are because the team wouldn't put that investment to you and then say, Hey, you know what we want to do in 364 days? Cut this guy. All right. So that I think may be what this is. I don't think the Steelers wanted him back. I think Le'Veon didn't know the rule because I don't think anybody knew the rule. I don't think the agent knew the rule that he didn't have to come back for the six games because nobody nobody had written about it. And then all of a sudden you hear they're like, wait a minute, these first two months have been a total lie about what's going on. So now that it's leaked, that the tag thing isn't even defined. And let's just say it's north of 20 million and the Steelers are like, we're not even going to tag you. So why even bother coming back? I mean, unless Bell were just bored and wanted to try to make, something on this year's 14 million and a half that he passed on, right? Like, hey, I'll come back, make five million and whatever. But it's pretty clear that his math that he's doing is not that. And that's what I can't figure out. Is Bell thinking that passing up on 14.5 million this year, that he will then make it back in a new contract? Okay. The second highest annual salary running back before the girly deal was Freeman at like 9 million. Okay. So if Bell gets Three years, and you're just going to do it that way, a guaranteed money first three years of a new NFL deal. If Bell gets $45 million in the first three years of a new deal and say it's just flat $30 million guaranteed new team, 45 in the first three years, forget the fake four and five year. Does that mean that Bell's math is like, look, that's cool. I got that $30 million guaranteed. I avoided some kind of injury that possibly could have happened in 2018. I don't know. Because don't you think if you're Bell... And even if you're playing 80% of the snaps over the next four years, wouldn't you have made more with the 14 and a half this year and then what the money would have been in the next three years? Or is someone going to argue, well, by staying healthy in 2018 and being healthy for free agency in 2019, that means he gets an extra guaranteed year that he may not have gotten? Like, I could see how you could get to that argument, but... That would be really hard. Like if I were the client, if I were Le- Le'Veon Bell and my agent were saying, sit out the year, and I don't think that's what's happening. I think Le'Veon Bell is calling all of the shots here, and the agent's just kind of left at the mercy of the client, which is actually what's supposed to happen, and it's kind of weird when it doesn't, right? But I think what's happening is Bell just goes, I can lose $15 million this year, and I'll make it up. And I, I'm not saying there's not going to be some team with the cap going up and all the NFL TV deals about to happen. There's not going to be some team that stinks and wants some sort of splashy headline and signs somebody to a big, t- big, big number for the wrong reasons. But I don't know. I'd be thinking about man, I I could have made 15 million that year, and now I'm making this. I wouldn't be going. Well, it doesn't matter that I lost 15 million because now I'm making this. I'd be going. I want it all. I, I don't. I don't want to miss a year of earning opportunity. And I know the counter to that again is that the NFL is a little different and health and all those different things. But you can't just. I don't know. I, this, this whole thing was really, really weird. I, I think one of the, the interesting things is that the Steelers, if this is true, coming to the conclusion that they go, you know what? We don't even want him back. Let's get this information out there. And, you know, let's hope, let's hope he doesn't want to come back. And, and Shocker, the guy that hasn't really been about team the last two years, didn't come back. And by the way, anybody that tweets upside down letters, I wouldn't want to give a long-term deal to anyway. Bruce Feldman next burrow makes clever uncompromising furniture for modern life at home just got my couch pretty fired up and as the days get shorter the weather gets colder in football nhl and nba are in full swing so you know you're going to be spending more time on that couch make sure it's time well spent with a sofa from burrow burrow sofas are handmade in north carolina you know the carolinas it's kind of like vermont honey you just feel like hardwood carolinas how could i go wrong because it's sturdy it's sustainably sourced hardwood, scratch-resistant fabric, and a built-in USB charger, which is great because you don't feel like you're going to strangle yourself if you take a nap, you know, with one of those eight-footers. Um, Burrow is designed for comfort with a proprietary foam that's supportive yet cozy. Burrow's sofas are exactly 17 inches off the ground. And why did it take so long for that? It took a well, really long time for everybody to understand what Le'Veon Bell's options were. Why did it take sofa places so long to know that 17 inches off the ground was optimal? Well, Burrow did. Because that's the average height, the bottom of a person's foot to the back of their knee. Easily customize your sofa online and join fast and free shipping. No more trips to a dimly lit warehouse on the other side of town. Um, Yeah, so I haven't ever hung myself now because I got the USB deal in there. My foot to back and knee ratio is locked in as it's ever been. And it took until this age, unfortunately. But here's how you can get involved. And hopefully you're younger than I am. Or if you're older, it's not too late for you either. It's couch is like a four hundred one k. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna suck if you're sixty and you, you know, like somebody's like, hey, it's never too late for four hundred one k. And you're like, it kind of yeah, is. Yeah, kind of is. <laughs> it's kind of too late for me. Should have done this forty years ago. All right, so now that you're depressed from that, buy a couch. You can get your living room ready for fall and save ten percent off the entire site now until Black Friday by visiting burrowcom slash dual do. D-U-A-L, that's Burrow, B-U-R-R-O-W.com slash dual to get 10% off the entire site now until Black Friday. Thanks again to Burrow for supporting the show. I'm pumped, man. It's been, uh, it's been a little while, but uh, he's my neighbor. We still haven't got together. I, I don't seem to be home very much, uh, and he's not home a lot either. And that's Bruce Feldman from Fox and also The Athletic. Uh, just wrote a nice piece on a mutual friend, Eric Chenoweth, if you want to understand how insurance and college sports actually works. I didn't even mean to do that plug for him, Bruce, but I, just, I find that story fascinating because so many of us have no clue what the hell's going on. We just say, just get insurance. It's like when Kramer said, write it off. And then Jerry's like, you don't even know what a write-off is. So good work on that. Um, That's not where I want to start this conversation, just saying hello. How are you?
1: I'm good. I appreciate you hooking me up with Eric in the first place because, honestly, I cover college football, and I didn't know how it worked. And so it was kind of fascinating to talk to him and bounce a lot of stuff off him, and it's an interesting little uh, rabbit hole to go down.
0: There you go. Right. So check it out on The Athletic. Uh, A lot of good stuff there. I am a subscriber, and I didn't even ask anybody for a free login. That's how how much I believe in my friends over there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, the rankings come out last night and they're unchanged from the playoff committee one through 10 which has never happened before Uh, not a huge surprise that that's the way it played out necessarily Um, there's a few issues but I do want to start at the top and now that I've seen Bama in person and as good as Tua is and as good as the stats have been and you could even argue okay whatever he's getting hit a little bit more the last couple weeks Bruce he's just it's even more impressive in person and I know statistically he wasn't brilliant in the LSU game but seeing it firsthand how do other coaches and maybe some of the NFL contacts that you have talk about Tua and what he adds to this Alabama run of 10 plus years
1: yeah I did a story going into the uh to that LSU game talking to guys who faced them about what they thought and one of the guys I talked to was a longtime coach who spent a lot of years in the SEC and he I said is he as good as the hype he goes he's even better than the hype seriously I mean right now the hype is out of control he goes he he is able to see things that the other quarterbacks do not are not able to see, and he is his release is so good that he is he has made Alabama a completely different animal. And he said, you know, you watch him in warmups. He's telling guys, you lean into this a little bit. It's almost like a coach out there where you see a lot of other kids who are college quarterbacks. They're just warming up to basically get warm. And what he is doing is, you know, just finessing little things and nuanced stuff. And this coach said, you know what, they, when he's in the game, the running backs run better, the receivers run better routes and the O line blocks better. It's just different. And I would make the case, I feel like I have a pretty good handle on, on LSU with Ed Ogeron there, that LSU is actually better than they were last year, but the gap between LSU and Alabama has widened and a Big, big reason for that is because Tua has made them just a completely different animal than they've been at any point as great as they were under Nick Saban. They're different now. And I think the gap between them and the rest of the college football, and not just LSU, is wide.
0: Yeah, watching him, you know, there was a play where he's flushed out to his left, and I was on the Bama sideline towards the goal line. So, you know, they were maybe inside the 30. I mean, I could get real technical and go look this up, but I don't want to bore everybody, including you but it was a third and 8 or a third and 9 and he got like 8 yards. He was he was a yard short of the completion. That was one of the most impressive things I saw from him all day. It was so athletic, but yet his ability to run, he doesn't use it. It it's like a it's not something he's planning on doing, but yet it sets him up a little bit like Mahomes in the NFL where Mahomes runs to throw. Tua does some of that stuff too. And one of the most Interesting things I'd heard that whole weekend that I was down in Baton Rouge because I was there like Thursday through forever. And David Pollock and I were hanging out over at the football facility, and he goes, you know, what do you think of the game? And I go, even if I like LSU's defense and all the personnel, and I do think that they're a better team, that between Judy, who's nuts, and Waddle, and um, and Ruggs, like one of those guys is going to break. And that's not even including us some of the other guys that have big numbers um, at receiver tight end. So I don't know how you can contain all of them. And Pollock goes, you know, in classic Pollock way, he almost makes you feel like a dick, like you got something wrong. Where he'll go like, oh, you think it's the receivers? <laughs> I go, well, wait a minute. <laughs> I go, I think that they're super deep. And usually it's like one guy. And he goes, it's all Tua. It's all Tua. And he goes, they had Ridley last year. You know, and I go, all right, well, fine. Um, You know, I didn't say Tua was bad, and he made this point, Bruce. He goes, um, all the tape that he's studied of quarterbacks over all these years, the Pollock's watch guys, he goes, Tua has this mechanism in his throwing where he flinches his shoulders. So it's not like he's just looking you off. He goes, but when you watch the All-22, you'll see safeties and defensive backs darting off of his shoulder read and jumping away from where he's actually throwing. And he goes, it's really unique, and NFL guys don't do it, and it's a huge weapon because it's really, really natural, and the fact that he's left-handed, he just does things that mess with defensive backs that he hasn't even seen before. And I thought that was like really in-depth stuff, even after I stopped feeling like I got the answer wrong.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's some nuanced stuff that's really fascinating about him. Like, first of all, you know, you said mentioned his numbers. Well, he went up against LSU has the best defensive backfield in the country. I mean, Grant Delpit's a great safety and both cornerbacks, not just Rudy Williams, are really, really special. So, you know, to do that there on the road in that environment, as amped up as it was, that's not like just winning a regular game against a top 25 opponent. Uh, The other thing that I think is kind of interesting about him, you know, our friend Trent Dilfer and the Elite 11 guys, they've known about Tua for a long time. And uh, I sat in on one of these Friday night sessions where where to both Jalen Hurst and then Tua address the, the high school quarterbacks. And somebody had asked them, like, how are you able to come into this situation last year where you're you're basically just got to school? You are from Hawaii. All these other kids are from – all these other guys are from other places. A lot You had a lot of seniors and everything. How did you just kind of fit in? And his whole answer was very telling. It was just like, you know, I don't see it that way. I'm just – they grew up – playing the game they love. I grew up playing the game I love. It's just in a different part of the part of the world, different part of the country. That's it. Like I think with his mind, a lot of times quarterbacks overcomplicate things. They think about all this other stuff. It's like almost like a bad golfer will have all these swing thoughts going through their head and they end up topping the ball or something. With Tua it just seems like somehow the way he's wired, he's only thinking about the stuff that really only matters. He doesn't overcomplicate it. He's very, he's just very, very uh, even keel. You talk about, I I know some guys in that program who who are coaches and they just are kind of blown away by his temperament. And those things are hard to measure until you're in the middle of like really high pressure situations, whether it's a national title game or Saturday night at Tiger Stadium. And that's a hard thing that you can talk about how great his arm is. You can talk about how fast the guy can run and all this other stuff. But if you can just be, you know, really calm and in the middle of things and see everything and anticipate things, oh man, that makes you special, and that's why I think he's so good.
0: So if we go further down the rankings, it's Bama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Michigan. And the thing I always struggle with every year is, and I think the committee, as they've said from the beginning, is it's the best four teams. It's the best four teams. It's the best four teams. Which I thought was what everybody wanted, and since they've done it, that's. clearly, what no one wants because they're all worried they're going to get left out. I would pick Georgia against Notre Dame or Michigan in a neutral field. But the cost of a loss has to mean something. So as I debate best team, I have to then go, well, wait a minute, why do we play this? Like, why do we keep track of the score and all these things? How would you, would you pick Notre Dame or Michigan to beat Georgia for you on a neutral field?
1: I might pick Notre Dame. Like, I would take Notre Dame out of this argument. I know. You know, I kind of felt for the for Reese and the ESPN guys last night because I was like man they got an hour to, just to talk about kind of nothing this <laughs> is the same place we were last week um, Try three and hours so a day. the debate started to kind of morph into Notre Dame or Michigan I don't think we're there yet because Notre Dame actually played Michigan and beat them and let's see if Notre Dame loses before we're, we're at that point because I, I do think you know this this isn't uh UCF I mean Notre Dame plays Plays a big boy schedule every you know throughout the course of the year, and they did beat Michigan. And I think they haven't lost. Yeah, they they had their hands full with Pitt and a couple other teams, but they haven't lost. Um, whereas Georgia lost by twenty; they got blown out by Ellis. So, I, I think if you want to make the case who should be for whether it's Michigan or Georgia, I think that's a that's a worth you know argument to have uh, at right now. I mean. The truth is that part of it's probably going to get sorted out too, though. Now I know they don't play each other, but if Georgia beats Alabama, that's going to be the best one of the season. If Michigan ends up beating Ohio state on the road, that's a really good win. Uh, they're not going to get a huge push because they're, you know, probably play, playing Northwestern who probably won't be ranked or maybe it'll be like 24th in the big 10 title game. I think Georgia could leapfrog potentially Michigan if they, Beat Alabama, and I don't think they're going to beat Alabama. But if they do, that would be—I think voters would look at that and go, "Man, they're playing better than anybody." Look who they just beat. Nobody would have a win like that. But we're not there yet. I think we're just now kicking around the hypotheticals. But for me, the most interesting one is Georgia, Michigan at this point, because I think that's
0: relevant. You know what? You're right because the Notre the Notre Dame thing keeps coming up. and as of now, even if I think Georgia's better than them, I should not include them in that kind of debate. Uh, If Michigan ends up beating Ohio State, though. And look, if Georgia loses again, all this doesn't matter if Bama's undefeated. I think the real scary thing is that, and this is where the conspiracy theorists are out there, whether they feel like they're keeping LSU propped up so they can support Alabama um, by having. L- here's here, right, but here, here's the thing: if it's a close loss and Bama loses to Georgia, so that means Georgia has to be in, and then you'd leave out a twelve and one Michigan. Um, you know, if it really is about the best teams, I don't, wouldn't have had a huge argument about it. But I, I think this is where the conspiracy theorists lose their mind too much is that do you really think the committee having LSU at seven makes the argument to keep Alabama in at four in a close SEC title game loss? That's a more acceptable argument than say if LSU were 11th? Like that's that's splitting. It doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, I, do-
1: I, think, I think people are, are getting over their skis with that one. I think, the LSU being seven, I was a little surprised to see it. I mean, they struggled uh, against an awful Arkansas team on the road last week. I know, it yeah, was but throw out, it was a... throw out the
0: records, throw out the records when it's in but, Fayetteville.
1: But I think looking at, 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 at all this, I think what their seventh is because they blew out Georgia who the committee really values to me. What I wonder about, I don't know. You know, every year, the committee uh, makeup changes a little bit, but do people look a little more skeptically at Notre Dame than they do at Clemson? Because you know what? We've seen a Dabo Sweeney team, not that long ago, not just hang with Alabama, which they did one year, but they beat Alabama. The last time Notre Dame, albeit much different players, but with Brian Kelly was in this situation. They played Alabama and got blown off the field. And so I think for a lot of people, you're going to give the benefit of the doubt to Clemson. I think you're going to give some of the benefit of the doubt to Georgia, Because we saw them go toe-to-toe with them. Whereas if you're Notre Dame, you know, I don't know. if I wouldn't call that conspiracy theory. I just think that's a little bit of human nature. Unless you're a diehard Notre Dame fan, if you're thinking objectively, uh, the question you posed to me a couple of minutes ago, do you think Georgia would beat Notre Dame? I know they had a close game last year in South Bend. But I just think it's harder for people to go. I could see Georgia having a shot at Alabama. I don't think they'd beat them. I don't see Notre Dame having, you know, and so it gets into that best versus, versus most deserving, um, and so I can see why people are kind of already tensing up for this because it, it could get to that point pretty easily. But you know, I think look, I think Alabama is going to handle their business, and then I don't think the Georgia or the second SEC team is going to be
0: a relevant factor. Yeah, but if you're if you're bringing up six years ago getting destroyed by Alabama and Miami. I, I think that's unfair, and even if it is human nature, I think, it is too, but right. I
1: think some of the people do that. I, I do really too. Think it'd, be, it'd be hard to think, think that, that
0: not one person in there wouldn't think of it that way. But you're right. I mean, that is human nature. That's why, as much as they say it's week to week, each rankings, each room is different every single year. We bring in no preconceived notions. You can't help yourself. You just can't. And they don't just do it with Alabama. They do it. They do it with a lot of the teams that were successful, really successful the year before. Um, did you have more on that? Because I feel like I cut you off a little bit.
1: No, I, I mean, I just think it's, you know, I think a lot of times this stuff feels manufactured, where it becomes a talk show, and I think a lot of fans and even some media, you, you know, sit no. there and they watch, you know, Reese and the guys kick around stuff, and they feel like there is, like, the conspiracy theory kind of feeds into it, where people are going, well, they're talking, they're kicking up the dust, and now all of a sudden they're going to influence people to think this way, or the people behind there think that way. And in reality I just think that sometimes they just need stuff to talk about to fill an hour. Um, a so lot it's of this fun, though. gonna change.
0: Right. I mean, that's what we used to love doing on the radio show is we'd come up with three teams for one spot and then make up their resume at the end. And, you know, at this point, even if I mean the weird thing would be like look, we'll see what happens with Notre Dame and Syracuse because after the Stanford win where I felt like Stanford, Stanford was seventh, but they'd won that game against Oregon. And I know I've already done this in the podcast with other people, so I don't want to do it for all the listeners over and over again. But at that point, I'm going, you know, Notre Dame's all right, but this schedule will end up being completely underwhelming when it felt like on paper, it was impossible to navigate. And that was back at the end of September, looking ahead, you go, you know, who might be the toughest game left is uh, a game at home against Syracuse. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see what USC looks like at the next couple of weeks. You have them this week?
1: I do. It's Chip Kelly's first first game against these guys as the UCLA head coach. They're both limping to the finish line. Uh, a lot of drama out here in uh, in our neighborhood here about uh, Clay Helton's future after they lost the Cal. So, so we'll see.
0: What do you think happens there? Who's, who would be the guy to fix it for USC?
1: That's a tough question because USC always kind of goes to somebody they know. And it's usually an underwhelming move. Um, you know, you look at USC and you're like, at one point people, people said, oh, some of the people who Lin Swan listened to really want to see Hugh Jackson. You're like, what? Hugh Jackson? But it's like, it's USC. You can kind of see some of this kind of, kind of bizarre thought process. Uh, you know, Jack Del Rio is another guy, former USC player. I hear him all the time.
0: I've been hearing that for like 10 years with Jack Del Rio.
1: Yeah. You know what? Only if he brings the eight ball jacket back. Uh, yeah, I, I don't see no, a USC being thinking like, Hey, you know what? Jeff Broms a really smart coach. Let's go get him. Let's go see if we can get Matt Campbell. I could see like Ohio state if they had a the, the coaching search do that. Um, I could see, you know, if, if you're a USC, do you, do you go get Stanford Steve's favorite head coach and try to go see if you could get James Franklin back on the West Coast?
0: <laughs> um, there are
1: options. You're USC. They're like, I don't want to say it's the easiest job in the country, but it is it is built in a way that no other place is like a power program is, because if you're at if you're at Ohio State, you still have Michigan. And for like that is a one in one A. If you're in Alabama, you got LSU, you got Auburn, you got, you know, Florida, Georgia. There's a lot of other heavyweights. Even if you're at Texas, you have Oklahoma. When you're at USC, there is no one. A. All these kids in Southern California grew up wishing to be Trojans. You have such an advantage. Um, one of the guys used to be on Pete Carroll's staff had told me, I ran into him not that long ago, and he said, at USC, you don't recruit, you just evaluate. All the other kids want to be here. Um, so I don't know what they do. I mean, from everything I've heard, Lynn Swan would like to keep Clay Helton and give him more time if he can. Now, if he loses this week and ends up on a three-game losing skid against you know, Cal uh, a down UCLA program and then Notre Dame and gets embarrassed, I don't know. All bets would be off, I think, at that point, because I think it becomes hard for them to sell tickets going into 2019.
0: Being out here now, it is amazing how how frustrated everyone is. But then, as you say, like other programs go, well, no, we just expect to go get the guy. But And by the way, there's just not nearly as many guys. I can't even think of how many hires recently that program went. Yep, we're pumped. Like how many times in the last 10 years has a program gone? Absolutely nailed it. Ohio State, um, Saban would have been before that. I think Tom Herman would be some of that as well. Um,
1: You're I mean, talking about a big, big time. Yeah. You're not talking about, you know, yeah, Purdue goes and gets Jeff Rahm and everybody. No, not smart I'm,
0: I'm not talking about um,
1: Dave Doran. No. Um, look, I'm, the, the guy across town is that way. I think... Chip UCLA was the... Is, right. You know, I certainly think Washington got that when, when Chris Peterson kind of fell on their lap yes. when USC took Stark off their hands. I think that it's just, it's USC um, for as great as the place is. It has a really kind of warped sense of things at, when it comes to these decisions. And so, you know, if I'm a USC fan, I'm, I'm kind of scared to death when I hear, wait, they think Hugh Jackson's a good idea. I like, what now? I mean, and, you know, you'd hope somebody has talked them off the ledge, um, but who knows? He if was USC, out here last week. Done some crazy stuff.
0: He was out here. I, I
1: met him at the Fox Green Room last week. He, he might be a colleague of mine for all I know right now.
0: That would be weird. Like, first take, Fox, USC head coach. Although it works out that way. I mean, you know, I've had guys be like, hey, is so-and-so going to make his 145 hit? And they go, well, he's actually interviewing with the 49ers right now. And you're like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> can, can you give me one minute on Chip how that's going? Because I watched all the first half uh, games. You know
1: what I think is, we had a, a, a Notre Dame. I'm sorry, Nebraska Ohio State game the other day, and it was Nebraska gave them all they could handle. They are a two win team. Scott Frost has them on the right track. They have a great young quarterback. I say that to get to this point. I think the expectations were really low for this team. Chip Kelly did not inherit much. Uh, I, they start one senior, I think, on on offense and one on defense. It's going to get a lot better. I think it's a big culture shift from where things were running out of gas under Jim Mora. Um, You know, it's been underwhelming, but at the same point, I think uh, if I was a UCLA fan, I'd be excited about where it's going just because you know his track record is too good and he's too smart of a coach not to get this thing cranked up. And the the Pac-12 style is definitely there for the taking. Look how bad it is right now.
0: I want to do another coaching kind of topic because it, it stirred back up again, and that is uh, the former assistant Zach Smith for Ohio State who went on a bit of a tweet rampage this weekend. He was calling out Tom Herman for all sorts of stuff, then showed a DM that he sent to Herman basically saying, I'm going to call you out on everything you've done, and then Herman just DMs back, hook him with the, with the fingers in the air. What is going on with this guy?
1: Well, it's it's, an, it's a nutty kind of combination. I don't know if exactly the two stories are connected. I mean, in fairness, it was the allegation was that Zach Smith had had used a racial slur towards one of his players that ended up leaving and transferring to Florida. I mean the sto- that story in itself, I'll be honest, and I worked with Brett McMurphy. I consider him a friend. That probably should never have been published. Um, I just didn't think that story was buttoned up to go with. I mean, that accusation for all the horrible things you could say about Zach Smith and they have been said, and, you know, I wouldn't take issue with them. Um, The idea of the, you know, that was one piece of it and the idea that urban Meyer um, would, would be, wouldn't, would look the other way after a racial slur, you know, think about the how much upheaval that could cause within his program. I mean, you can say a lot of stuff about urban Meyer and, and be skeptical. That's one thing I don't, And the other thing that struck me about that story was, you know, I spent a bunch of time around Columbus in the last year and got to know some of their players, especially the leaders of the team or the receiver group, the Johnny Dixons, the Paris Campbells. I follow some of those guys on social media. They speak out about social uh, media, social justice issues and race issues all the time. I, I find it unbelievable that they would have heard their position coach slur one of their teammates and they would not, they would have looked the other way. I mean, to me, those players are actually more credible than I think the coaches are in this regard. So um, it was a nutty story. Um, It was, again, I think it left a lot of us scratching their heads how it got into print. But then the other part of this, the subplot to it, which could ultimately, you know, who knows where it's going because Zach Smith seems so unhinged, is he's bringing up Tom Herman's, you know, alleged indiscretion and stuff that goes on out on the road and and who knows what the heck Zach Smith may have whether he has it in 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 text he said he had pictures or right videos yeah. I don't know what
0: to, yeah. you know I mean I don't... that
1: stuff you just don't know where it's going I mean he's tweeting at Tom Herman's wife about this too um I mean it really is like the Springer show comes to life in college football and I think if you're a Texas person if you're a texas fan or if you're certainly not just tom hurham but somebody who works them you're like i don't know what this guy has but it's kind of unsettling to think that this guy can kind of throw a throw a you know a a social media grenade out there and you don't know what kind of effect it's gonna have you know um you know who knows i remember a couple of i happened to be in austin texas when there were reports about uh the night out that Tom Herman and Zach Smith went to a strip club while they were out recruiting and look I'll be honest I mean it's a weird story to even process because in the media you're like alright hey, what am I supposed to do with this
0: because I had no like, issue not with
1: against it the, yeah it's not against the law to go to go into a strip club I'm sure you know the ADs wouldn't be thrilled about it but it's like these are football coaches I mean how many times have you been out with I mean I'm not putting you on the spot here but Hugh Jackson in strip club the court, zero times and, yeah, okay I've been some coworkers. We've probably been some places we probably shouldn't be, but um, you know that's the reality. And I so I think this would this potentially could go into a different place. But just the idea: we are Tom Herman, who's one of those guys you said was a rock star at the University of Houston, goes to Texas. He starts. He's got that program headed in the right direction, and now you got this completely unhinged guy from his past. you know, it feels a little bit like a, a you know, like kind of a creepy movie that has an aspect of it.
0: Yeah, where Zach loses me, and there's a few parts in the timeline where, but he started doing the whole "I have I've never done anything wrong" thing, and you just go, "All right, you know, like, I don't even know what you have or what you're saying or not, but I can understand uh, being upset. I can understand almost being vengeful at, at some point, but then you also have to kind of look in the mirror a little bit and go, you know, what parts am I responsible for and uh, clearly he, he has no concept of that at all. And I don't know, I've kind of got a thing about guys. Like if, if, if you don't like a guy, that's one thing, but to do this kind of stuff, to go with somebody's family, um, I don't, I just, I don't know, man, it was just so weird. It's so weird. You know, maybe more importantly, is Ohio State any good? Cause they're nine and one, they're 10th in the playoff rankings, but we know the path back. I didn't think they were impressive at all at Michigan State in that 26-6 win. I felt like the Spartans kind of gave it to them there at the end, not to say they couldn't win it. They'll beat Maryland, then they finish up at home against Michigan. The other side of the Big 10 West is isn't good. You know, Northwestern's going to be playing in that game. Uh and I hear stuff you know, I don't know if the whole all of this stuff this off season, the urban suspension, if it, if it's part of it, like that's classic us to go. oh, Ohio State doesn't look like themselves. Well, it has to be. And we do we draw the direct line to it has to be all the Urban Meyer stuff and all these things. Um, you know, I've heard some stuff that Shiano can be more difficult now. That you know, him his sort of self repairing thing is over and he's back to being a little bit more difficult. And then even Haskins, who in the first few weeks you go, oh my gosh, maybe those recruits that were yelling for J T Barrett to be benched were right. And now he's had moments where I don't think they look good. And let's face it, the Purdue loss, they got smoked. They got kicked around by Purdue. So even though I can go, you know what, they could be back in this thing at 12 and one, maybe that's what the committee's rooting for because maybe they don't think they're going to be any good at 12 and one despite a win against Michigan. So I guess it's a really hard team to give up on because of that talent, because of Urban. But there's been a few, it's been more than a few games. Well, I would say it this way. It's more than just one game where they haven't looked like a team worthy of being in the playoff.
1: Yeah, I mean, we did them their game the week after they got, the game after they got blown out by Purdue. And everybody expected them to just destroy that two-win Nebraska team. And it didn't happen. I mean, they were fortunate to get out of there with a win, where if you look back last year, you know, we also had them after they got blown out at Iowa, and they destroyed Michigan State the next time out. So there's right. something a little off with this team. They don't run the ball consistently well like most Urban Meyer teams do. They're shaky in pass protection at times, and they give up a lot of big plays. And I think you know inside the program, one of the things that comes up a lot is some of these guys who you know they lost a bunch of three and out guys, and then they had other five star guys who people expect would just jump right in, and it, it, there wouldn't be there wouldn't be a hiccup. Well, there's been a lot of hiccups, you know. And you look at you know they. They had their hands full against TCU. TCU had a bunch of big plays and, and had over 500 yards. TCU, that team turned out to be not good at all this year. So I think there's been more warning signs. It's just when you look at this team, you still see Dwayne Haskins who can throw as well as just about anybody. You see a bunch of speed. They still, even without Nick Bosa, who they do miss, but even without him, they got some good athletes, really good athletes in the D lines. So you're like, okay, they got a puncher's chance. Um, I think it's hard sometimes for us to kind of let go of a team that's underwhelming, but kind of keeps winning a little bit. It's a little bit like that Florida Jameis team, you know, at the end of his time there where they got the benefit of the doubt because they find ways to win kind of ugly, but eventually it became their undoing. And I think that's kind of where we are with, with this Ohio state team. They're good, but I don't think they're close to great. And I'm not sure they can get there, but you know, I, I think that Michigan game just because Michigan hasn't been able to overcome them since harbaugh has been there, uh, you don't know what's going to show up there for for you know in, in Columbus that day.
0: Final thought: I had this uh, thing that I've been talking about, and I've been doing it kind of everywhere. Is that with this NFL? evolution of of what people are looking for that owners are just going to go hey i want the next young guy and i don't even care if he's he's been like at least give me cliff kingsbury as an offensive coordinator but tech has actually been better you've been writing about them i know it's not the record people are looking for but i think anybody watching texas tech this year has to argue that they feel like they're more competitive this year um what's what's the next who's the next guy like what do because you you do this really good job of of still talking a lot of nfl people about it too Like Who are the names that come up that go, You know, if I have this NFL team and I have a young quarterback, this is a list of three or four names of people at the college level that I want to just go ahead and grab and maybe pay an absurd amount of money to try to look like the Chiefs look or look like so many of these other young teams because that's what's going to be. I mean, I really think that's what's owners. Owners are going to find that to be the next quick fix and half of them are going to get it wrong. Yeah,
1: you know, he's not all that young, but if I'm an NFL team, I go, you know what? Forget Louisville. I want Jeff Brom to run my office. He is really smart. You talk to smart people in in football, they'll talk about who who they think is really smart. Jeff Brom's name almost always comes up first. Uh, You know, if you look at... I'm glad you mentioned Cliff. Cliff is a guy who spends so much time studying film of, of good NFL and good college. And, you know, he's one of these guys who out of the leech tree, but a little different from Dana Holgerson, where he's really good with matchups and different things. I think Cliff would be a really, really good NFL offensive coordinator. Um, but I don't think that, I don't think it's going to come to that. Um, another, another name to me, you know, people know about Matt Campbell. I wouldn't say he's like one of these, you know, offensive mastermind kind of guys. I just, his teams just play hard and he knows how to develop and get everybody ready. I mean, the fact that Iowa state is five and two, in their last seven games against top 25 teams and three and zero on the road, uh, is remarkable. I mean, it's friggin Iowa state. Yeah. You know? Shout out and to Ames. Yeah. He, he's really good. And then the last name I would say is Neil Brown. No one in the NFL is going to hire the guy from Troy, but he's 38. I mean, he's one, I think he's like 29 and seven there. And he took over a team that was under 500 the previous couple of years. Um, he's going to get a much bigger job sooner than later. He's just really, really smart, attention to detail guy who everybody around him talks about how he develops, not just players, but people around him. And he, he originally played in the Hal Mummy Air Raid, but he's not a pure air guy. He does a lot of other different stuff. Um, I think he should be on people's radar because he's just really, really sharp.
0: Have fun this weekend, man. You're the best. And uh, let's finally I try to get together. It. Yeah, let's get together once the season dies down. So you got USC, UCLA, right?
1: Yeah, and then we got the Apple Cup.
0: That's right. The Apple Cup for all the apples. Uh, thanks, man.
1: All right. Ryan. Right.
0: Okay, before we get to Chris Fowler trivia and uh, some of the stuff we're going to do at the end here, want to thank the people at Belvedere. No kidding. Uh, them being a part of the live show at Caesars, this past Monday was incredible. Also, if you want to go to the Ringer podcast page, if you just go to the NFL show, they're posting the live show as one of their podcasts. So I, I think they're probably going to do another one too. Um, but you can check out that live show if you want to do that. And we're going to keep these things rolling because uh, Belvedere, they were awesome. Um, I'm not you know, trying to do the, the kiss butt thing here, but they were really just a cool staff and everybody that came out. Jasmine was there. She was a big fan of the show. So that was really, uh, really great to hear from her. Produced in one of the world's longest running distilleries, Belvedere Vodka is the world's finest all natural vodka. Crafted by a collective of master distillers, Belvedere is made with non GMO Polish rye, pure water, and no additives. Recognized for quality, Belvedere was named the ISC World Vodka Producer of the Year in 2015. 2016, and in 2017, Belvedere's unparalleled quality reminds me of a run that my favorite basketball player of all time. See, this is written for Simmons. See? Leave this in. God
1: okay? God <laughs> the, it.
0: the script says, Belvedere's unparalleled quality reminds me of a run that my favorite basketball player of all time, the legend Larry Bird, had in the 80s when he won the MVP award three years in a row, 84, 85, and 86. In addition to two NBA... Finals MVP awards in 84 and 86, of course, topped off by titles in those years as well. Look, I like Bird a lot, but anybody who knows me knows that Chuck's my guy, yeah. all right? I'm not talking about Chuck Daly. Charles Barkley is my favorite player of all time. He's my favorite athlete of all time. Maybe we'll have him on to talk college football. That'd be fun. Uh, Bird and the Celtics. <laughs> That'd be no, look, I'm really happy with Belvedere. I think Belvedere is happy with us, but, you know, I can't be reading the lie to you people. This was written for Bill. Did Bill decide? All right, we'll talk to Simmons about this later. Everybody makes a joke as soon as Bill comes on. They're like, like he came on to talk about Saquon Barkley. It took 30 seconds for him to mention Jason Tatum. Bird and the Celtics (laughs) of that era played a brand of basketball, was the utmost quality, just like Belvedere Vodka. Enjoy a delicious cocktail with Belvedere Vodka today and remember to always drink responsibly. I think the thing is, is that if you're Belvedere, you don't want to say that our run was much like Charles Barkley's run of first round or second round exits with the Sixers, then forcing a trade to Phoenix. That's fair. Right. That's fair. What would the Charles Barkley vodka be? We well, you know what? We're not going to bring him up because we don't want <laughs> to name anything. As far as I'm concerned, there is no other vodka. It's only Belvedere. Okay, before we uh, get to my new deal with Hopsy, pretty excited about them. Um, I was in Vegas for, let's see, uh, I got there Sunday Day Sunday night Sunday. yeah so I was only there two nights so I was flying in from uh, Norman Oklahoma nice win by the way Bedlam great game and we didn't bring up Oklahoma at all with Bruce probably I'll do that next week okay Sooners fans I promise uh, I don't really have a lot to because I kind of got out of there and I was in bed McShay and Levy and those guys stayed in Oklahoma City and I was so spent and from the night I've had cigarette smoke issues all week so the first night I was in my hotel in Norman. I woke up at 3 a.m., and with all the fire news going on out here, and I've had a couple family members affected by the whole thing, they're safe, everything's fine, I think one guy lost his house, though, obviously super close, but um, I, I woke up at like 3 in the morning, and I'm all messed up, different hours, and I'd had been only, i only been home now, I counted up five days of the last 28, I think, that's, I think that's the number, so now I'm home, and I'm going to be here for a little while, and I'm, I'm happy about that, and I'm not complaining or anything like that, you know what I'm saying, it's just a lot, a lot, and... At 3 a.m., I'm in the hotel. And by the way, I want a hotel. If I ever open up a hotel chain, I don't know if the beds are going to be good. I don't even know if they'll be clean. I don't know if we'll charge you for parking that you didn't use and do what half the hotels I check out of do all the time. I don't know what I can promise you. But what I would, what we'd be built on, our mission statement, our brand, be like Rosillo Hotels. You know what they're good for? The remotes on the TV work. And I'm not talking about the batteries being dead. I'm talking about whatever messed up thing happens in a hotel room with the remotes where you never have the right angle. So you're tired in your bed, but what you're doing is this weird forearm workout like you're rowing because you're just trying to read. All right. How does this remote interact with a TV and the remote will interact with a TV just enough that you don't give up. Keep your hooked. Yeah. Except that it's going to suck the whole time. You're like, oh, the channel's not going to change. And then you go rapid fire channel up. And then all of a sudden it's this massive delay. And then it shoots up 10 past the channel that you wanted. And then you're trying to find its way back down. The volume goes up great, but it doesn't go down. Our hotel rates may be bad. Okay. We may gouge people during awful things. You know, I'm just, I'm just saying our remotes are going to be great. So I'm in this hotel with the remote not working. So I actually ended up opening up the laptop and threw on a movie that way. And then as I toss and turn, I pick up the laptop. I'm actually going to elbow this laptop in a just a total like sleep deep REM deal and be like, what happened to my laptop? You're like, oh, um, yeah, well, whatever. All right. So cigarette smoke just pouring into the room, pouring like a vent. Okay. Kind of like Ocean's Eleven, where they make that guy's room. Wait a minute. Ocean's 13. Yeah, sorry. Many people don't confuse Ocean's 11 with Ocean's 13, but I just did. Uh, When they have the guy that's reviewing the hotels. Wait a minute. No, no. It is Ocean's 11. No. Now, Ocean's. Oh, my God. This is terrible. This is terrible. I'm going to say it's Ocean's 13. Yeah, it's Ocean's 13. Yep, it is. It's ocean you got it? Go Ocean 13 smell scene and they put bugs in the guy's room. That's the other thing, too, is I have a massive, a massive bed bug rash all over my legs. Ugh. It sucks. I got up super early and jumped in the ocean this morning to try to because I feel like salt water fixes everything. By the way, really cool site. I'm sitting there reading uh, a book this morning. And the beach is always empty in the morning. Like people look at me like I'm a weirdo because there's no one down there and I jump in and out of the water. There's no one there. And a guy was jogging by and he goes, Hey Rosillo. Listen to Dual Threat right now. How's yeah. that? As, as he was jogging, and I went, "Oh, hey man, I'm just sitting here, shirts off, reading a book." Right, what, what's going I'm, on there? I'm a research? bad Googler. I
1: keep going. Yeah. I don't. I remember Ocean's Thirteen, and I don't remember that. But
0: research is terrible right now. It's not great. The, the IT department sucks for the show. Um, Smell scene. Not not a, not super descriptive, but uh. yeah, they try to make sure that they're not going to get the five diamond rating. So the guy that comes in and I see mem- pheromone scene, but that's something else, isn't it? That's, that's, that's Damon. Yeah. That. That's Damon pheromone. Yeah. Speaking of natural pheromones. So as you looked that up, yeah, cigarette smoke came billowing in. And then what happened was it was some sooner fan, just puffing darts up into their bathroom vent next door to me. Oh, nice. And they turned on the vent and then it just billowed into my room. And then I don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't sleep the whole time I was there and I didn't even go out. I didn't do anything. I just, uh, Had a really bad order with a chicken place. I got super upset. I staked out for like about ninety seconds. I threw threw it in the garbage in front of everybody. It was about two hours late. The 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 soda. I didn't even order a soda, and they sent me one, and all the ice had melted. And the guy even was kind of like embarrassed. He's like, "Yeah, we kind of screwed up your order." And I went and I opened it up. Everything was ice cold, and they put the wrong thing on everything. And I had a total. I don't take steroids, but I had a real roid rage for about ninety seconds. Threw it in the garbage and then took a deep breath and said, Okay, you know, let's reassess where we're at here and get some dinner because you gotta watch the rest of uh the hell game was I watching. Oh, LSU, Arkansas. After um It's thirteen. It is thirteen. Yeah. Yeah. I I let myself get my head there, but I, I'm glad that I came back with conviction. Hookers. That's the point I was trying to make. Okay. Uh I love watching it all go down. I'm I'm not a voyeur. Like I'm not going up to the room with you. All right, and I'm never like anybody that's a big prostitute guy is never going to say. You know what I am? I love, I love, you know, <laughs> I love fiction and hookers. You know, you're not you're not going to meet a guy that says that. Like if you're into prostitutes, you're likely not going to tell many people about it. All right, so me saying I'm not into it, like you may not believe me, but I just I'm just telling you, I'm a cuddler. I could never I could never be into that. You know, I like to cuddle too much. I just a big cuddler. What can I tell you? And prostitutes, from what I've heard, aren't super into that part. So um, I I think uh, watching the lobby thing go down, because you can't really you'll be like, whoa, is this some smoke show from Iowa just hanging out on a Monday? You know, and that's always the sad thing, because if you're there with, uh, you know, it's your convention, it's the one convention of the year, and your name's Dale, and, you know, let's just say you're divorced, all right? And it's been a slow go and, you know, Tinder isn't what you thought it was going to be because you're 40. And this girl walks up and you're just, you see the guy and he's so, like, wow, look at this. And then no one in the group knows the deal. And all the guys are like, wow, Dale, she's hotter than your ex-wife. You're like, well, no kidding. And then just kind of watch it all play out. And then, then sometimes I feel bad for the prostitute because then the guy will say like, oh, I'm sorry. Like I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't know the deal was. I thought you just picked me because of my brown dress shirt. <laughs> you know, like, hey, are you Dwight Schrute? No, no, I'm Dale. I'm here with the Polaris Convention, and we make the best damn snowblowers you've ever seen. And you know, I kind of watch. I had like a drink, and I watched in the lobby for a little bit. And uh, I just, I don't know. I, I'm just fascinated by all of it. I think I have more to say, but I'm, I'm I mean, I guess this. It's the ringer pods. I can kind of do what I want. But I, I like to watch the interaction. I like to see how hypnotized the dudes are. I like to see kind of the sell. I like to see when it's like really aggressive. Let's just put it this way, where it doesn't look like they'd ever be a match. And you go, whoa. And the guy's like just sort of scared and intimidated. And then sometimes you'll start to see the haggling over Price. Um, <laughs> that's Downstairs. It. Huh? Yeah, right. And then, you know, is this... Is it a Kimbrel deal or is it Mariano, you know, where like (laughs) eventually the elevator is still in play and the transaction happens. But along the way, like you can tell when it's going to go down and then there's a Kimbrel where it's just, I don't know what the hell. Are you going to get out of this inning or not? you Are just going to be standing there the whole time? And then I start thinking like if I lived in Vegas, I'd like to become friends with the prostitutes. Like I'd like to be, you know, I don't know where they would hang out on off nights, but I'd like to be there. I'd like to just talk and have share stories like, well, let me tell you about the time Steve Levy made a mistake on SportsCenter. And then she goes, oh, that reminds me of two weeks ago at the Cosmo. And it, I'd be like, that was a weird transition. And she's like, well, I thought we were talking about our jobs. We're like, oh, that's right. I'm sorry, Don.
1: Talk about fans.
0: Right, right. Yeah. You know? Lingerers. I know I sound, um, I don't know if I sound creepy right now. I think I just, I'm an observer of people. And it was something I hadn't seen in a while. And I saw it this this week, and I could have sat there and watched it the whole time. Because then you always wonder too, much like your buddy that thinks the stripper likes him. You you kind of have that like, well, <laughs> I'm in shape. Right? Like she's probably just she's probably just like me, you know. Probably probably not even gonna get charged. You know, this would be like a good hookup. <laughs> 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 like, uh, you're probably off the clock now right <laughs> you know what i'm trying to do i was trying to sound like archer there at the end and archer how how bad does archer look now that he's doing sandwich ads for arby's that guy looks terrible i never i was like you know too much bread yeah just too much too many carbs and whiskey and tequila and vodka and everything else and i'm sorry I get the Brian from Family Guy far more than I've ever gotten to Archer. I want people to say that I sound like Archer, but I don't. I could. I think I got, like I have it working in my head right now where I'm I'm trying to like figure out a good line. I kind of was doing a little Archer thing at the end there. Yeah, no, I, I saw yeah, I caught right. it. That's kind of what I was doing, but now people are going to accuse me of having that inner dialogue. And now I I already know like three texts that I'm going to get. The internet's great. Yeah. Uh I was just hanging out watching the Clippers, but I guess we could hang out. That's about as close to Archer as I can get right now. Okay, let's do Chris Fowler trivia, and I'm sure our sponsors are psyched about that segment. Hopsy is like the Nespresso or Keurig for beer. It brings beer on tap to the comfort of your own home with the sub, a countertop appliance that fits neatly in your kitchen bar or living room. Whether you're a hop head, malt mouth, or palate partier, you can enjoy a variety of beer styles. I don't know which one I am. I've never thought about that. I'm going to start thinking about that soon, though, and I'll have an answer for you next week. Like IPA stouts and pilsners from big and small breweries, which rotates monthly. By the way, I did get it, and... The curing thing's a great call. Like I was actually kind of pumped at first. Like, well, let me put it this way. I didn't know what I was getting into. And then I opened it and thought it was a mistake because I go, this thing's so nice. And I can't believe I have this. So Simple, huh? yeah, I've got a few people coming over on Friday. We're going to have a little pilsner party. So go to tryhopsy.com slash dual. That's D-U-A-L, and use the promo code dual and for $99. You'll get the sub home draft machine, two mini kegs of beer, equivalent to two six-packs, two hopsy glasses, and membership in the monthly beer club. That's tryhopsy.com slash dual, D-U-A-L, promo code DUAL, to get a sub home draft machine, two mini kegs of beer, equivalent to two six-packs, two hopsy glasses, and membership in the monthly beer club. And listen to this. That's all for $99. That's it. Terms and conditions apply. This week on Chris Fowler Trivia. Okay, here we go. This week's Chris Fowler trivia. How many six?